Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart. Radio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Tuesday. We got playoff basketball on again tonight. How is that Hawks team gonna look? Trey Young a little banged up, so we're gonna have to see what his kind of status is, what's been going on, because he, he tweaked the ankle in the fourth quarter and never looked the same in that game. And the Bucks ran rampant in the fourth quarter thanks to Chris Middleton. So we'll preview that game, break it down, and do our moneymaker for it. But we may be switching back to the Bucks, but we'll see how Trey Young's kind of looking and see if we get any information on that uh we're gonna be breaking down the nba game from last night i mean the clippers man they 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 put up a fight man and i'm ready to celebrate the clippers and i think come tomorrow when uh, game six happens i think we're gonna bet on the clippers folks i don't care what happens i think it's time we've been kind of putting off betting on them the entire playoffs and i think they finally they finally earned a little bit of respect so we may have to switch up our bet come tomorrow but we'll break down that game and uh, tell you what happened in that and then we are also going to be looking at the 2014 NFC Championship game. Packers, Seahawks, winner goes to the Super Bowl. And we know Aaron Rodgers has only got the one Super Bowl. So we all know what happened to that game. But we'll break that down and see how much credit Aaron Rodgers deserves during his performance of that game. And uh, look at this some film and see the stats and just relive the game so we got that all today on the show so let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day and the first one up we get a couple more quotes from Tom Brady during his episode of the shop on HBO so let's see what Tom Brady was saying uh during that so here we go the first one quote we're coming to the end Tom Brady on his career quote we're coming to the end and that is just so unfortunate folks I mean we are living and we are watching we are witnessing history in the making the greatest quarterback of all time folks if you weren't kind of lucky enough to watch Michael Jordan in his prime I wasn't unfortunately live um you know this is our new goat you know that's why a lot of people do like LeBron James as the greatest of all time because that's what people are that grew up watching basketball that was kind of their first goat and now you know we are kind of witnessing the true goat here in the NFL nobody can touch this man's accolades and record of winning and just overall performance in the stats nobody can touch him this man is I think undeniably the goat now ran the gauntlet last year in the NFC uh, playoffs Drew Brees check no problem. Aaron Rodgers, check. No problem. Patrick Mahomes, check. No problem. I mean, folks, I think it's I think it's a hundred. I, I I don't know of another quarterback you can say is the greatest of all time other than Tom Brady. You can make your arguments. I you can't even make the argument for Aaron Rodgers anymore. Unfortunate, but you can't. But if you want to do. Um, you know, some of the other goats, Peyton Manning. You know, some of the older ones. You know, Peyton Manning's a little older than that. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think I could agree with any of that. I think the, the man's been to 10 Super Bowls, folks. That's all you need to tell me. Okay, this man's been to two. This was the three. Oh, he got to four. Oh, that's pretty good. Who, who's this guy? Tom 
Brady? Oh, Brady? That's how you say it? Ten Super Bowls? Oh, go. Right there. Ten. That, that, that's the winner. There, there he is right there. So we are witnessing greatness, history, GOAT right now. And, you know, we're only going to be able to watch it for one two more seasons we're hoping more than two but he's kind of setting on two right now so we're coming to the end straight from the goat's mouth folks the goat is what, what noise do they make nay, they don't nay they buy bah. The, the 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 goat bod folks it's coming to the end unfortunate so that's the first one up. We salute him. I can't wait to watch him for these last two seasons, and we're definitely going to be basking in the greatness. Well, we've never, I've never disrespected this man, folks. He's great. I don't know what to, he, he, he's a winner. He's great. How can I hate? All right, the other quote. Uh, quote, Tom Brady on the media. Quote, I would say 90% of what I say is probably not what I'm thinking. Of course. Of course. We've been saying this, folks. Come on. That's why we want him to turn, Bill, and start saying the truth. Start saying what you actually think. That's what we want to see. You've got nothing left to prove. If everybody hates you, okay, you're still the GOAT. Nobody can take that away from you, at least right now, maybe in 10, 15 years. we got to see what Patrick Mahomes does during the course of his career, and we'll see what Justin Herbert can do. His career is just getting started. So, for right now, Tom Brady's go, and I'd be talking my shit during this period because I've got nothing left to prove. I've got nothing to lose, and I'm, 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 I'm solidified for at least the next 10 years as the GOAT. So let me go on my bullshit. Let me go on a rampage right here. I'm calling out everybody. Start dissing Aaron Rodgers. Start dissing yourself because we all know once Aaron Rodgers officially retires, once um, uh, Tom Brady officially retires, and we got like these three quarterbacks in the next like seven years of debating of, oh, is it Tom Brady? Is it Drew Brees? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Can you make the case? And if Tom Brady's not kind of distancing himself on what he thinks Aaron Rodgers is totality-wise as a quarterback, then the fans are going to be making this kind of narrative very close that Aaron Rodgers is this close, very close to Tom Brady. In being the greatest quarterback of all time, but folks, they're they're miles they're miles apart. They are miles apart. One's a winner, and one one can't win the big game. So one one throws the ball away because he doesn't want turnovers. The other one is going to try and make that throw. Uh, pick incomplete completion touchdown. It doesn't matter. He's going to try and make that throw because that's how you win the game, taking the risks. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that. So I can't really respect that. And it proves that you don't win. You can get to the NFC championship game. You can go 13 and three, be on your home field and still lose to the goat that takes those chances passing the ball. So um, I, I want Tom Brady to start coming out and saying what this 90% is, folks. 90% of what I say is probably not what I'm thinking. Of course. He was kind of, you know, saying, oh, Aaron Rodgers is so good. And, you know, I went through the same thing. I understand his pain. You know he's not thinking that. He's looking at Aaron Rodgers being like, so you're just going to quit? <laughs> so Because they're not giving you help? <laughs> they're not giving you help? <laughs> and you're going to complain? <laughs> And you're going to kind of blame your non-success on that? <laughs> I did that! He's like Soldier Boy. I was the OG! He stole my flow word for word, bar for bar! But I made the difference because I won those games when I wasn't supposed to because I didn't have the help. I went out and won those games. Rings. Rings. 
Aaron Rodgers got one little old ring on his pinky finger. Tom Brady's got double hands, baby. Oh my God, I've got some, I can't even, I need another hand. <laughs> I need another hand, uh, Giselle, come help me with this other hand on my ring. I, my, my other hand is, my left hand is so way down, I can't even lift any more rings to get them on my right hand. Giselle, come over here. Yeah, put one right there. One right there. Oh man, seven. Seven rings. Two hands. If you get punched by Tom Brady, your jaw is broken, folks. We got metal on metal, both hands. Doesn't matter if he's taking the left hook with the two hands or the right uppercut with all five. Jaw's gone, folks. Jaw is truly gone. So, um, I mean, 90% of what I say is probably not what I'm thinking. So now we can automatically assume from here on forward, whatever he says, we're just going to take the opposite of it. It's 90%, folks. I'll take that accuracy. I will take a 90% chance of what he's saying right now is actually not what he's thinking. So buckle up, folks, because we're going to have a good-ass season speculating on what Tom Brady really means, and I can't wait for that. Alrighty. And then, once again, Tom Brady on the media. Quote, from a strategic standpoint, and yes, strategy, thank you. Uh, this is like a huge, under, like undervalued, underappreciated thing in sports. Strategic strategy. Here we go. From a strategic standpoint, I never want to give away what we're doing. Of course, why would you? I mean, that's why I hate like interviews and all that, like halftime interviews. Oh, what are you going to do different? Oh, what, what, what's your game plan going into halftime? I'm going to tell this bitch and this reporter, no, goodbye. Oh, well, I'm going to keep it basic. And that's why, you know, those halftime interviews and um, after quarter interviews, they're nonsense. They're nonsense. Think the coach is going to give you what they're actually going to be doing? Come on. Bill Bell checks out their spying on people. You can't be saying anything out here, folks. Uh, quote, I never want to give away what we're doing. I usually say the opposite. Once again, Tom Brady, I'm saying the opposite. And if you believe it, that's on you. But that's unfortunate. Um, I usually I usually say the opposite. You know, they they got a shitty, you know, they got a shitty corner. I'll be like, that guy's unbelievable. In my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to, I'm going at that motherfucker all day. And can we appreciate Tom Brady just cussing left and right here? Oh, you're going to take that motherfucker over me. I'm going to be going at that motherfucker all day. Yes. Thank you. Tom Brady being kind of villain-esque. No more, you know, rated G Tom Brady. Thank God. TB 12 R is coming out folks. Motherfucker this motherfucker that that man's trash you're a bitch you're a motherfucker this whole team's a motherfucker that motherfucking quarterback ah, 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 ah. so i'm loving this kind of new villain brady and i hope he keeps expanding on it because i gotta get some more you know motherfuckers out of tom brady i gotta hear this live in game at the super bowl be like aaron motherfucking rogers you are trash that's what i want to hear at the next nfc championship game after the bucks beat the green bay packers again tom brady's like that motherfucking quarterback trash ass garbage ass aaron Rodgers. yeah that motherfucker's trash that's oh my if i get that quote I may be able to die peacefully, folks, honestly. And then the last one, like we know, um, Tom Brady on the team that didn't want him in free agency, quote, there's no fucking way I would have went to that team. But they said they didn't want me, and I know what that means. I know what that feels like. I'm going to go fuck you up because of that. Yes, you don't want me, the GOAT? You're going to stick with whatever garbage quarterback that doesn't even get you to the playoffs? You're going to stick with that motherfucking quarterback? 
Well, I'm going to go out there and fuck you up this season. What's up? What's up? I'm going to go after your shitty corners, your absolutely garbage corners, your slow-ass linebackers, and I'm having Gronk running streaks. I'm just having everybody running streaks, and we're about to drop 60 on your head, and I'm about to set the the passing touchdown record in a single game. I think it's had seven, so I'm about to drop eight on your asses because you're so you, – you, you disrespecting me. You come to me and disrespect me. I'm on the market, and I come to you. And you disrespect me? Me, Thomas Brady? Okay. Okay, watch out. Watch your back. Watch your back in 2021. Because I'm dropping eight touchdowns on your shitty corners. I love it, man. So, um, definitely got to watch that episode of The Shop if you have not. Obviously, classic Brady quotes. We don't care. I mean, Chelsea Handler's on there. What, what, what are we doing with that? I don't know why she's in The Shop. But, hey, for all these quotes that we're getting of Tom Brady... Definitely worth the watch and definitely worth kind of suffering through the Chelsea Handler portion because I don't understand that. But Tom Brady's at the shop, folks. Go watch it on HBO. All right, let's move on to this. Um, You know, once again, I mean, folks, 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 watch out for the tight ends this year. Great talent. Everybody in in this league that went to the tight end university, not Tim Tebow. Obviously, he's going to be trash and he's going to be so far behind. He's going to be laughable. The man's going to put up like 200 yards to the season and be like, coach, didn't I do good? Didn't I? No, 200 yards. What is that? I need a thousand from you. 200. Leave. We're voiding your contract because that performance was so trash. But um, this, the tight ends this year, folks, get the tight ends when you can at a premium. And if you play fantasy football, I'm telling y'all, go five tight ends deep. It's the new wave, folks, and you can't stop it. So here we go. Greg Olson, one of the uh, coordinators of Tight End University. Greg Olson says the tight end position needs more respect. And we kind of touched on this a little bit when we were going through Tight End University. But now it's coming straight from the horse's mouth, folks. So here we go. <coughs> Quote, We have to do the same shit that that $15 million left tackle has to do and run routes against the same guy that $15 million wide receiver has to run routes against and they're going to only pay us $7 million? According to my calculations, $15 million for the blocking, $15 million for the routes and catching. That's $30 million, baby. We're getting seven. A third? Less than that? A fourth? A fourth of what we are totally earned? So, these tight ends are making noise out here. And, hey, yes. If you feel like you are disrespected, underpaid, go out and do what these tight ends are doing. Running a camp, folks. Getting everybody on the same page. Making because they know they need the market to be high. That's why George Kittle and Travis Kelsey have no kind of... No kind of worries or, you know... um. Yeah, just no worries of kind of teaching these other tight ends what to do out there and kind of letting them pick their brain to see how you be great and, you know, what's working in this league and what's not. That's why they're not worried about it because if all these other tight ends are going to be great, now we've got competition in the field. And, hey, hey, I'm, I'm not going to get paid $8 million. You see what all these other tight ends are doing out here? And I'm still above all them? 
Let's get paid more, baby. I'm not getting paid $7 million no more. No, no, no. Give me up to that 10. Give me up to that 15, baby. If you're paying left tackles and wide receivers, that's what we both do. We do. You, you mash those players together, and that's what we do. And you're going to disrespect us by only giving us $7 million a year? No, no, no. It's over. It's done. We are here. It's tight end university. It is tight end season now, folks. Get ready because they're about to go. They're about to be popping off. And we already know this. We've seen this. This has been the direction over the last two, three years, and now it's really getting into the mainstream narrative here. And now we're really going to see the change this year. So if your team's got a great tight end, we're going to start buying you even more than what we kind of were buying you up until this moment. If you have a great tight end, that's all you need now, folks. Travis Kelsey was the leading receiver for the Chiefs last year, folks. At a tight end position. When you have Tyreek Fast, Cheetah, Hill. It's absolutely unbelievable what these tight ends are doing. And they just want some recognition. They want some respect. And we're going to give them all the respect, folks. We're going to be going tight end heavy during the NFL season. And I cannot wait to do that. Um, I'm going to get a tight end university flag behind us, folks. Tight end university. We are, we, we are with the tight ends. We stand with the tight ends. We are ready to have these tight ends start popping off. Darren Waller, Kyle, yo, Kyle Pitts, rookie year. That's going to be the new way, folks. We are drafting tight ends top three from here on out. Tall, fast, covered by a linebacker. I mean, we're talking about 6'6 six, six tight ends that run like Tyreek Hill. Come on, got to pay these men, got to give them the respect they deserve. You need a great tight end to be successful in this league. Why do you think Gronk, how many rings does he have? Three? Four? How many win did he win two in New England? Aaron Hernandez got a ring too? No? He's got a college ring. He got an NFL ring. So, I mean, folks, you can murder people. And if you're a tight end, you're going to win a ring too. So, just get it before they catch you. So... Um, Greg Olson speaking out, you know, he's no longer in the league, so, you know, he's the perfect one to come out and say all this. George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, obviously, you don't want to rub the organization the wrong way, so have Greg Olson be the mouthpiece. This this man was kind of the OG tight end. Let's look at uh, Greg Olson's stats. He ever break a 1,000? I'm pretty sure he has. This man may have been kind of the OG to really set the tone. Obviously, you got Shannon Sharp, <coughs> but Greg Olson, here we go. There we go. Broke a thousand yards, three straight seasons, 2014, 15, and 16. A thousand yards, 1,100 yards, a thousand yards again. Cam Newton really giving him the ball. So, exactly that right there, folks. Greg Olson, one of the OGs out here at the tight end position, really kind of making it a true catching position out there, a true threat of scoring the ball. So, it's just absolutely fantastic. 60 touchdowns in his career over 14 years. You love to see it. So, Watch out for the tight ends this year, folks. Watch out for the tight ends. All righty. <clears throat> Let's keep moving on here. Next story up, we're talking about Cam Newton. And once again, man, uh, every time we hear a Cam Newton story, I just can't get behind him, folks. I think I'm uh, – we've been kind of this close, very close of just truly just falling completely off the Cam Newton kind of train. And we'll see what we get in this article here. But we just hear the same things over and over and over again. And it always kind of pans out the same. Nothing good. Nothing great can't really believe in you not really throwing the ball well not scoring touchdowns throwing the ball mediocre mediocrity that's cam newton but let's see what we get here 
Cam Newton lets haters feed his focus ahead of Patriots quarterback battle. Okay, you've been saying this. He's been saying this ever since he didn't die for the fumble in the Super Bowl. What, 2015 against the Broncos when he kind of fumbled the ball? And he didn't dive in the pile to go after it. He kind of hesitated, juked backwards, and didn't go for it. Ever since that moment, he's always, oh, I'm going to let the haters feed his focus, feed my focus. But it doesn't work ever. You never return to that MVP form. You never return to the Super Bowl. So maybe retool your thinking. Maybe get some other motivation besides the haters out there. Truly. So he's got a quarterback competition between him and Mac Jones, and we're gonna we're actually gonna take a look at this right now because I can't buy Mac Jones either. So I, like I'm just saying that Cam Newton's gonna be the default quarterback there. I'm not using Mac Jones as the week one starter. I'm gonna at least go with Cam Newton just because he knows the playbook a little bit, and that's kind of what we've been hearing from Bill Belichick and Josh. Um, uh, Josh McDaniels is that oh my god Cam Newton he's he's learning the terminology so much better and you know he really knows all the plays this year so we know he knows the playbook and I think that's really just gonna be the default to kind of push him over the edge for him to have the starting quarterback job over Mac Jones but I'm not buying Mac Jones at all so of course I'm just gonna say Cam Newton's gonna win the battle but that doesn't mean that we're gonna believe in him 100% folks so uh, it's just uh, what did Mac Jones ever do he won a he won the national championship with a freaking star-studded offensive roster during a COVID year. I can't buy that 100%. Every one of his passes was wide open, folks. That's the only reason why he was good. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, they get open, folks. At least in college, because we know college defenses are just absolute trash. So I can't get behind Mac Jones. So I guess we have to just go with Cam Newton. But let's go back to the odds here. Of what the starting quarterback for the Patriots is going to be. Uh, last time we checked, I think Mac Jones was like minus 220. Um, which isn't bad. Um, a little bit, uh, a lot better than kind of what um, uh, Justin Fields was getting. So we can kind of double check what Justin Fields' odds are. And let's also see if any movement on that front. So Justin Fields is still plus 300 to be a starting quarterback. That has not changed. And the same thing with the Patriots. Mac Jones plus 225. So we, we really truly believe Justin Fields is going to be the week one starter. That's kind of our bet the house bet. Bet your entire future bet. Sink or swim. Live or die bet right there. But the fact that Mac Jones is plus 225, I mean, folks, odds, I mean, obviously the lower odds, the better, the more likely it is to happen. <clears throat> so him only being plus 225, it's a little interesting here that Cam Newton truly may get set week one, which would be kind of a shock to me because I just can't believe in Mac Jones like that. But let's go back to this article right here and see what Cam Newton is saying. Let's hear about all the haters and what they're saying and why it motivates him and why this year is going to be different. So let's see. <clears throat> entrenched in a quarterback battle with Mac Jones. I mean, could you ever imagine if you are ever in the same sentence as in a quarterback battle with Mac Jones, you're not great. You're not good. So the uh, greatest of all time is taken right off the table. You would never have Tom Brady being in a, in a quarterback battle with Mac Jones. That's absolutely laughable. So, you know, he's already kind of behind the eight ball, already being kind of in the same breath as Mac Jones, which is never great. But entrenched in a quarterback battle with Mac Jones, incumbent New England Patriots signal caller Cam Newton continues his offseason work with quarterback coach George Whitfield 
Jr. during the summer break ahead of training camp in late July. Whitfield asked Newton several questions posted on the trainer's Instagram live feed during downtime in their workouts. One question was how Newton manages to battle through the hate spewed his way. Oh my god, it's like uh, like everyone's always driven by haters out there. Why? Why why would anybody that ever like even including me? Why does anything I say affect you that much? And you're going to use that as fuel? Okay, let's see. Quote, simple. Feed your focus. Feed it. If you hate if if the hate ain't in my focus, I don't feed it. I feed off of it, but I don't feed it. It's two different things. When I sense or when I dwell on hatred, that's the product that's going to come out. Rage, anger, but that's the hatred using me, not me using the hatred. So I want to process that and make that fuel me. I don't dwell on what a person may say, what this person may say, she say. I just use it to my advantage. And I feed what I want it to feed. Okay. Okay. All right. It's never worked before. I'm pretty sure we've said the same as that quote last year, folks. I mean, we were buying into Cam Newton last year. This quote, right? This loan quote right here was getting us hype last year. And we saw what happened. Real not great, folks. So, I, 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 I'm, is this the one? Is this the quote that's finally going to push us over the edge? Feed your focus. Feed it. If the hate ain't in my focus, I don't feed it. I feed off of it, but I don't feed it. It's two different things. I don't feed it. I feed off of it. Okay. Whatever you need to say to make you feed it or feed off of it. Sorry, you don't feed it. You feed off of it. Whatever you need to say to make yourself feed off of that. Go ahead and say it. But, man, I, I can't get behind it, man. I cannot get behind somebody that always has to use, you know, haters as their motivation because it never comes to fruition. We never see anybody. When was the last time somebody publicly came out and be like, oh, yeah, I feed off all my haters and then went, went in one ring? I can't think of anybody. Let's continue. Anything else good in this article? Um, Here we go. As NFL Network's Mike Giardi expertly laid out this week Newton will enter training camp in a true battle with the first round rookie Jones for the Patriots starting quarterback gig. that's never great a true quarterback battle between Mac Jones who only was successful one year in college because of a star studded offensive talent squad number one running back in the league Number one wide receiver, number two wide receiver, all in college football, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. Now he's coming to New England with all tier two weapons across the board, folks. Let's go to this New England Patriots uh, depth chart. Let's see if Mac Jones is gonna make any, gonna be able to make any of these weapons work. Here we go. Their their running back is Damian Harris. Not even close to Najee Harris. I know they're brothers, but no, no, no. What did Damian Harris? He did 691 yards last year. That's not great. <clears throat> Jacoby Myers. That's their number one wide receiver. 729 yards. Not even a 1,000-yard wide receiver. He is 6'2". I do like that. Then they got Nelson Aguilar. Been around the league a little bit, folks. He's 28. 896 yards last season. Number three wide receiver, Kendrick Bourne. 
600 yards last season. He is 6'1", too. Pretty solid. And then the tight ends. Hunter Henry. How many yards did he have last season? 613. So, he's, you know, he's he's getting there to that 1,000-yard mark. We need to see your tight ends be. And then they also have John U. Smith, who, once again, what did he have last season? 448 yards, folks. These are all Tier 2 weapons. Tier 2. Can he go from having, I mean, A1, Tier 1, mm, I don't know, another one, but all those great wide receivers and <clears throat> skill position players on Alabama, now to all Tier 2? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't think so. Uh, but let's get back to this article right here. I think we got one more quote. <clears throat> For Newton, winning the job entails <clears throat> continuing... <clears throat> Continuing to work on his mechanics and conditioning with Winfield. Whitfield. He said succeeding starts with envisioning the goal. Quote, you got to visualize yourself already there. Get your mental thought of being in that moment and taking your place there. And once you get there, find so much distress that you can't gutter up and feel comfortable in it. Whatever that is. And that's how you grind. You know what I'm saying? Just take your mind to that place. Stay there. Get comfortable and be comfortable with being in that position. But you didn't do that last year. And I know, you know, we kind of give everybody a year one buffer. That's kind of why we are, you know, clinging by our kind of fingertips on this mountain of believing in Cam Newton because we truly do have to kind of give you that second year. Like we said, Tom Brady's got everybody's thinking, all of our kind of criteria and kind of statistics that we value heavily. He went out and just did it all all, and just messed them all up. He threw everything out the window. Everything that we know about football has been thrown out the window because of Tom Brady. But we truly do have to kind of give Cam Newton one, one more chance. But it, it, it's, a, it's a chance with grains of salt everywhere, folks. Raining down grains of salt everywhere and kind of making our fingertips slip off that edge. But we'll continue. We'll give them to training camp. We'll see what we're getting out of training camp. But uh, if we start seeing some not great playing training camp, we're just truly just going to be falling off this Cam Newton cliff. So that's where we're at with Cam Newton. Having the haters feed him. Not feeding into it. If you buy that, you can buy Cam Newton, I guess. Alrighty. Here we go. Moving on to um, potentially something good. Maybe. We'll see. Derek Carr ready to put on, quote, full court press to recruit Devontae Adams to Raiders in 2022. Now, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. That's the big thing. If Devon, if Aaron Rodgers is not there this year, he's not going to be there next year, and Devontae Adams is 100% gone. If Aaron Rodgers is here this year, we still don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there next year, and Devontae Adams probably 50-50 gone. If Aaron Rodgers is here this year and here next year, Devontae Adams is most likely still a Packer. So... Is, is, this is really going to have to this this is really going to come down to whether Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Packer this year, if uh, for Devontae Adams to maybe leave the Packers. But let's see. I mean, having you know Derek Carr, we're we're a believer in Derek Carr. The stats are there. We just saw him the other day, folks. He he is statistically there as kind of a top tier quarterback in this league, and we know that uh, potentially Devontae Adams is going to be out of Green Bay because he's not. He's not going to stick around with Jordan Love. I mean, that's 100% fact, folks. And he may even just, if Aaron Rodgers isn't in Green Bay, wherever Aaron Rodgers goes, Devontae Adams is pretty much going to follow. And every team will love to have both of them. So, 
Derek Carr is truly kind of behind the eight ball on this recruiting process, but let's see what the man is truly saying out here. So, former Fresno State teammate and current Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr was asked about the idea of reuniting with Adams in Nevada. Wow, I did not know um, they were together like that. Fresno State, let's get that up. What were they doing? What were they doing in uh, college? See if I can bring this up quickly. Fresno State, quarterback, we have, uh, what was there? Probably 20, ah, shoot. That must have been at the end of Devontae's career because Devontae was in the league in 2014. <clears throat> so 2014, is this it? Let's see uh, the roster here. Quarterback was Brian Brunel. No. Hmm, 2013? When did Derek Carr come in the league? See if uh, 2013, maybe? 2013. 2013, Derek Carr, okay. He had five, wow, whoa! 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns by Derek Carr. Jeez, all righty. What do we have with uh, Devontae Adams? Here we go, wide receivers. He was here? Devontae Adams, here we go. Se oh my God, 1,700 yards. Woo! Damn, yes, reunite, please. Jeez, that's absolutely fantastic, folks. Wow. I did not think it was like that. Derek Carr in 2013. 68% uh, completion percentage, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. That's absolutely magnificent, folks. Jeez. Devontae Adams in 2013, 1,700 yards, 24 touchdowns. Jeez. And Derek Carr, he was the quarterback in uh, 2012 as well. Uh, how many yards? Only 4,100 yards that time. 67% completion percentage. So they were there two years. Devonta Adams, 2012, with uh, Fresno as well. 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns. So that 2013 year was obviously their best year. You know, Devonta Adams coming in as a true freshman. And uh, Derek Carr kind of in his sophomore season there. You know, initial hookup. And then senior year for Derek Carr. Um, junior year or sophomore year for Devonta Adams. And they truly hooked up. Wow. Woof, 24 touchdowns. Half of his touchdowns were just Devontae Adams, folks. It's 20, 50 touchdowns by Derek Carr and 24 touchdowns by uh, Devontae Adams. So, wow. Woof. Yeah, reunite, folks. I did not know that. Woof. That's fantastic. All right, back to the article. Former Fresno State teammate and current Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr was asked about the idea of reuniting with Adams in Nevada. And like any wise business person would say, adding Premier talent is never a bad thing. Truly that. Quote by Derek Carr. I've learned in this business, you never shut the door on anything. I know that he's obviously the best receiver. Everyone said one of the best. He's the best receiver in the NFL. The guy is unbelievable. He's been one of my best friends since we were in college together. I love the guy. 
I would always welcome to play with him again. I think it would unlock some things in both of us that people haven't seen yet. I'm always open to that, and I will be recruiting very hard. When that time comes, it's going to be full court press. And, you know, Devonta Adams has great – has always kind of been with Aaron Rodgers, a great arm. We saw kind of Devonta Adams get it done 2014 in that playoff game against the Cowboys over 100 yards and a touchdown, I believe. And that was his rookie year. And now Javante Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the league. He can just get off the ball quickly. And that, you know, definitely helps Aaron Rodgers. You know, he likes to kind of throw the ball quickly right at the line of scrimmage and all that. And that's exactly what Devonte Adams does. So Devonte Adams is used to kind of a big arm, you know, Derek Carr in college. Aaron Rodgers in the NFL, and you know, depending on what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Adams kind of has a fallback plan going back to Derek Carr with the Raiders. So that's going to be real interesting to watch out for. Once again, it really just all hinges because I don't think I don't think Devonta Adams would leave Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr. That's just, I mean, we kind of hear all these quotes of Devontae Adams. Oh, I've got Aaron Rodgers back 100%. He's kind of, you know, kind of agreeing with Aaron Rodgers over management, not truly coming out and saying that, but we can read between the lines and know what he's saying. You know, Tom Brady's saying, hey, 90% of what I say to the media is not what I actually think. You know, that's kind of what Devontae Adams is saying as well, and we can kind of read between those lines. So, once again, this is just all going to come down to what Aaron Rodgers does. So, we'll have more information come July when uh, training camps open up, and you better be there. If you want to make the team, you better be there. He is under contract. Once again, making this whole kind of situation real messy, but we'll know more at the end of July when training camps open up, and then we can start speculating throughout the entire season, and then, you know, this will be a story next year as well. So, buckle in for this Devontae Adams pairing back up with Derek Carr. I would love to see that. I want to see what they can kind of do in college now in the pro level. We'll see. All right, let's move on to another team here. Let's uh, talk about uh, the Chargers. This time we're talking about Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler, running back for the Chargers, likes Chargers' new offense. Quote, I'm betting on myself to go out there and make plays, and I am a believer in Austin Eckler, folks. Um, I know not everybody's big on him, and, you know, they're like, hey, Austin Eckler, who the heck is that? He, I, I'm a believer in him, folks. So let's just talk about what he did last season. Last season, he was the number one running back. Unfortunately, missed about six games in the middle of the season with a hamstring injury. Never great. But uh, in 2019, when he was behind Melvin Gordon, he had 500 yards. And, you know, that was really it. You know, eight games starting. 500 yards, and that's really kind of where he maxed out because he was always the number two running back up until last season where he became number one, but he was injured for six games. But in 10 games starting, 500 yards rushing, but also 400 yards receiving. So he kind of broke that 1,000-yard threshold that we want to see kind of everybody have, uh, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. If you're not putting up 1,000 yards between rushing and receiving, it's unfortunately not making that much of an impact out there. So, um, Austin Eckler, 530 yards rushing. He was averaging 50 yards a game as well. So, if we extrapolate that for the six games that he missed, we can add an extra 300 yards. And that's going to be 800 yards just in rushing with 400 yards receiving. So, once again, he was averaging 40 yards a game receiving. So, you kind of extrapolate that. And now we're looking at about, you know, 800 yards rushing. 
and about uh, about like uh, 600, 650 yards receiving. So once again, well over combined rushing and receiving over that 1,000-yard mark, and that's exactly what we were looking for. I mean, he's averaging 4.6 yards a rush. That's absolutely fantastic. Anything more than three is truly great. Really, I think 3.3 is kind of the average. So whatever's um, above that is obviously absolutely great. So I really believe in Austin Eckler that he can get the job done. He didn't miss six games last season, folks. So a little underwhelming in his stats just because of that alone. But now we're back this year. And the one the one good thing is that his injury didn't come at the end of the year. It came at the middle of the year. And he was still kind of getting it done in the back half after the, uh, after the injury. So we can believe that he's really just going to pick up exactly where he left off at the start of the season. So we don't have to kind of, all right, he got injured at the end of the year. He's still rehabbing maybe games one two three four aren't the greatest he really hits his stride game five no 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 He's already ready to go. He's ready to rock. Week one, he's gonna be on his bullshit. So let's go in the article right here and see what we're getting by um Austin Eckler and what he's saying. So here we go. Now healthy and entering a new offense under coordinator Joe Lombardi. Eckler told Sirius XM NFL radio he views himself as a chess piece in the Offense, he views himself as a chess piece the offensive coordinator can use similar to how the Saints get the ball to Alvin Kamara. Okay, so he's already comparing himself to try, you know, kind of Alvin Kamara. So let's get his stats up just to kind of see why he's kind of realistically thinking for himself this year. Alvin Kamara last year. 930 yards rushing and 756 yards receiving. So once again, that was kind of what Austin Eckler could have done if he did not miss six games. And uh, Alvin Kamara missed a game and he only started 10 out of the uh, 10 of the 15 that he played. So, you know, Austin Eckler kind of right up there with Alvin Kamara if he didn't get injured. But here we go, back to the article and the quote, quote I think that's something that I've learned about Joe coming in. Like, this man is going to get his playmakers in space in situations where they can be successful. And I freaking love that. Playing to the strengths of your players, not making a scheme and trying to fit the players in your scheme. Adam Gase. Adam Gase 100% does that. Hey, I have the scheme, and if you don't fit in the scheme... I'm not changing the scheme. So you're not going to be good out there. And I'm not going to take any responsibility because this is my scheme. It's proven to work. Didn't you know I coached Peyton Manning? Stop it, please. That entire narrative is bunk. All right. But, uh, you know, Joe Lombardi here. Hey, I'm going to get my players the ball. And I'm going to work to their strengths to get them the ball in my system. Freaking love it. So already a check here for the Chargers, Joel Lombardi, Austin Eckler. We can buy this team, and we already know Justin Herbert's the man, folks. So truly watch out for this Chargers team, but let's keep going to this article. Quote, I think you see that as far as the running back position with uh, Kamara with the Saints. They would give him the ball any way they could, and he was making plays. And it just depends on me, right? As far as, hey, if coach is going to trust me with the ball, my hands are going to make sure I make it work. Make him right. If I don't do that, we got a lot of other talent on the team. So I like it because it's putting the pressure on me. I love that because now I'm betting on myself to go out there and make plays. I have no doubt about that. So, hey, Joe Lombardi is going to put Austin Eckler in the position to be successful. And all Austin Eckler has to do is do it. 
I'm about it. I'm I'm already about Austin Eckler. This was last year. I was about Austin Eckler, and now this year everything's really kind of coming up Millhouse for the man. Let's see. Um, let's go to the Chargers depth chart very quickly because uh, he did say that there is a lot of talent around him in that quote. So you know, if I'm not getting it done, they're just gonna bring the next man up. But I don't think they are that deep at the running back position. So we got Austin Eckler number one, and then we have Justin Jackson number two. Once again. Nothing great there. He had 270 yards rushing. He um, he was the 2018 seventh round pick, folks. I mean, once again, nothing that great. So maybe Austin Eckler being a little humble there. Oh my God, we got great guys behind me, and if I don't get it done, they'll have no. They'll just replace me. I don't really think they're replacing you, even if you're really not getting it done out there. But I don't even think we have to think about that because I, we truly believe in Austin Eckler. He's believing in himself. The offense is going to kind of revolve about all the playmakers getting it done. And we know they got a lot of playmakers at the wide receiver position. They got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. And then at the tight end position, they got Jared Cook. So they got real great talent all over the field. And that's once again going to open up Austin Eckler because we're going to be guarding these uh, receivers and tight ends. And then if Austin Eckler is kind of getting it done in the running game, that's going to open up the wide receivers. And if everything's going to plan they're not gonna you're gonna be play actioning with Austin Eckler and then throwing it right back to him and then running it with them and then throwing it to your wide receivers and then once again a play action and now the defense is like what the fuck do we do we've been trying everything nothing's working they're picking us apart we should have studied a little harder out here so Watch out for the Chargers. New um, new kind of offensive coordinator out here. Joe Lombardi using all of his weapons to their specific skill sets. And Elvin Ka and Austin Eckler is kind of comparing himself to Elvin Kamara. And we know Elvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey are kind of these are these kind of dual threat running backs that will go out and run for a thousand yards and go out and catch like eight, seven hundred yards receiving as well. So if Austin Eckler can live up to that standard. Maybe we could start putting Austin Eckler into that category. So far, it's just Alvin Kamara and really just Christian McCaffrey that have proven it time and time and year after year after year that they can be that dual threat running back. That's really it. That's really the only two. So we'll see if Austin Eckler emerges, and then maybe we can put him into that category during the NFL season. Alrighty, moving on to another team to talk about. Here we go. This one just poses a question here. We're not going to go in this article. But uh, state of the Cleveland Browns. Can Kevin Stefanski keep the good times rolling? It's interesting. I would say yes because when we kind of just look at So Kevin Stefanski has only been here for the Browns for only one year, folks. Came in one year and made it work right off the rip. Once again, kind of an outlier here, folks. Nothing truly ever gets done year one. So when it does get done year one, you have to put a lot of stake into that. And now, obviously, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. There's pressure on Tom Brady to kind of repeat just because he's already won before. So if you don't win this year, it's like, well, why couldn't you? You did it last year. Did you just not? Did you were? Did you just catch everybody by surprise? Did nobody kind of just figure out what you were doing? And once they figured it out, they can stop you. So there is a little still pressure on Tom Brady for winning last year. Not a lot. Not a lot because you know he's at the end of his career. He can always blame Father Time, and nobody would blink an eye at that excuse. I know I wouldn't. 
And then for Kevin Stefanski here, I mean, year one, got it done. 11 wins, five losses, and then they ended up losing in the divisional round. They beat the Steelers in the playoffs, folks. They looked good while doing it. They challenged that Chiefs team, folks. Reeled down to the wire. I think they only lost by, uh, like, one possession. Let's bring this up quickly. And I know, you know, uh, uh, yeah, they lost 22-17. Uh, to 17, And I know Patrick Mahomes was a little banged up, and they brought in, uh, who was it, Chad Henney? Is that the man? Chad Henney, 6 of 8 for 66 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Unfortunate on eight throws, my man. Um, you know, classic Dolphin ex-quarterback there, no? Um, but, um, yeah, when we kind of look back what the Browns have done, no head coach really did what Kevin Stefanski did year one. We had Romeo Cornell do a 10-6 and six season for the Browns, but that was after 6-10, and 10, Four and twelve, and then he went ten and six, and then he floundered for the rest of the time he was there. He went four and twelve, and then they got him fired. Then Eric Mangini steps in year one, five and eleven. Year two, five and eleven again. Yeah, and that was it. They got rid of him. And then we go to who is this? Pat Shermer. First year he goes four and twelve, then five and eleven, and they're like, all right, you're done. And then they go to Chudzinski, who four and twelve his first year, you're gone. Then they go to Patton, seven and nine. Then three and thirteen, and then he's gone, and then they go to Jackson one and <laughs> one and fifteen, zero oh and sixteen is for his first two years, and they say, "All right, you're gone." So Kevin Stefanski coming in and doing eleven and five year one. The Browns have never seen anything like this in the last twenty years. Even Bill Belichick his first year was six and ten with this kind of Cleveland Browns team. So there's really been no quarterback in the last 20 years, folks. I'm not going to go back to the 80s and the 50s and be like, well, oh, yeah, the, no, I don't care. It's 20 years. Everything resets over 20 years, folks. We're done with that. We're done with the 80s. Done. So Kevin Stefanski being 11-5 year one, oof. With the history that this organization has, I mean, you got to give so much credit to this man. But yes, there is still a little bit more pressure to get it done now. Because if they go back to floundering, now we're second-guessing Kevin Stefanski. Was it a fluke year? Did you just catch everybody by surprise? What was that about? So let's look at kind of what all the players were doing for this Browns team. And can they replicate that success? Were all these players like outlier years that are just unfathomable to repeat? Let's see. So Baker Mayfield, he only completed 62% and they still went 11-5. So once again, just having Kevin Stefanski knows that Baker Mayfield isn't this kind of true A1 tier 1 quarterback that can go out and win the Super Bowl all on his own. He's a little bit more of a kind of Ryan Tannehill out here, an above average game manager that can get it done in certain situations, but you rely on the talent around him, receivers, and mostly the running game to get it done. Derrick Henry with Ryan Tannehill, great wide receivers with Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill in 2019 tries to beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game and he can't get it done because he's relying on throwing the ball and he's not that. So that's why I think Kevin Stefanski will kind of repeat what he did last year, this year, in year two, just because he didn't rely on Baker Mayfield. And I don't think he's going to start now when it's proven that, you know, it works while not relying on him. So, Baker Mayfield, 62% completion percentage and only 3,500 yards passing. That's kind of, you know, a little, I think that's like a little below average. We really want you to be at 4,000, and there's no reason why you can't throw 4,000 yards in a season, folks. 
What did he do rushing-wise last year? Yeah, only 165 yards. So it's not like, oh, he's this dual threat. No, 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 folks. He, he uses his legs kind of like Ryan Tannehill. What did Ryan Tannehill rush for? Let's bring that up real quick since we're comparing him kind of heavily. What is Ryan Tannehill? I want to say he rushes maybe for 200 yards. I don't think he's at like a 5-600 like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and all that. Um, all right, here we go. Last year, yeah, 266. Exactly. So, yeah, basically Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill throwing 3,800 yards. Once again, not at that 4,000-yard mark. Maybe with the rushing yards, he's there barely for 4,000. Baker Mayfield's really still not close with that 4,000 yards. Uh, let's go back to Baker Mayfield here, okay? <clears throat> and then uh, the one thing that, uh, another great thing, because when we look at kind of Baker Mayfield's overall years, his rookie year was still his best year, 63% completion percentage with 3,700 yards. So it's not like Kevin Stefanski brought him back to his rookie year, and that's why they were successful. The reason why they were successful was because he threw 26 touchdowns and only eight turnovers. Folks, that's three to one touchdown and interception ratio. That's exactly what we mother loving want. We want two to one. Three to one is absolutely great for us. So that's truly why we think Kevin Spansky will be getting it done again this year. He's not relying on uh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield does not make or break this Browns team. It's the talent around him. And when we look at the running game for the Browns, Nick Chubb, a thousand yards rushing. Exactly what we're talking about right there. And then their number two running back, Kareem Hunt, 841 yards rushing with 300 yards receiving over that thousand yard mark so both of his running backs are the main kind of components to this offense for their sustainability and also having great wide receivers and a great tight end Austin Hooper do I have their depth chart up what did Austin Hooper do last season am I getting uh, am I is that his uh, I hope that's the right name I'm, I'm thinking of um yes Austin Hooper right Austin Hooper 435 yards, so expect that to go up once again. These tight ends are going to get loved this year, so expect Kevin Stefanski to get their tight ends a little bit more involved, which in turn will just make Baker Mayfield a little bit more of a game manager. So I truly think Kevin Stefanski is going to be able to get it done back-to-back -back years here. I don't think this is a one-year fluke. I truly think that he knows what is going to make this Browns offense tick, folks. I mean, they went 11-5 year one. I can't knock that at all I can't knock it so expect Baker Mayfield once again if you play fantasy football don't pick up Baker Mayfield he's not going to be this great passer he will just be the game manager and we don't knock game managers folks I mean that's part of the game I mean not every quarterback is great elite that will lead you by themselves to the Super Bowl the only teams that do that or the only quarterbacks that can do that are Tom Brady I don't even know if I could put Aaron Rodgers in that statement, so let's skip over him. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Big Benish, maybe you could put him in that category. Patrick Mahomes can do it all by himself. A1 tier one. And that may be it, folks. Throw Aaron Rodgers in there. I won't argue with you too much on it. I'll leave that up to y'all. But, I mean, folks, we're talking about, like, four? Can Lamar Jackson do it? Hasn't been proven, so we can't really put him in there. So, I mean, we're really talking about four quarterbacks, and one just retired in Drew Brees. So, we're talking about three A1 Tier 1 quarterbacks in this league that can single-handedly lead you to a Super Bowl and be competitive in that game and most likely win that game. 
You got Ryan Tannehill, game manager, that got to the AFC Championship game, folks. I mean, that's what they do. That's what can be done with the game manager. So we're not knocking game managing quarterbacks. Most of, the, most of the league is game managing quarterbacks, folks. So we'll see what the Browns can do this year. But we are betting on Kevin Stefanski and this Browns team. I think they keep getting it done. He's got the blueprint, and I'm absolutely loving it. Alrighty, let's keep moving on here. Here we go. So, a video comes out yesterday of um, Jalen Waddle, rookie. The Dolphins picked him up in the first round. He was our 18th pick. We or no, he was our first pick. We wanted Devontae Smith. Um, who, who was that? Our like number? F what did we pick? Six. We traded back to six. Um, he was our sixth pick. Jalen Waddle, we wanted Devontae Smith just because Jalen Waddle was coming off that injury. And everyone's like, you know, if Jalen Waddle didn't get injured, he pretty much wins the Heisman over Devontae Smith. That's kind of the narrative that is kind of floating out here. But we see Jalen Waddle working out on the field. And who is he looking good? The ankles are holding up. We don't got to worry about that. But this move that he's kind of working on, it's like these long stutter steps. He's starting goes. And I mean, this is going to be dangerous when it's in full motion on the field this because he's got great speed already so when you're hesitating and you're taking these kind of long I don't know how to describe it um, I saw one description and that's what I was going for but um, I kind of lost that since uh, since yesterday to today uh, but it, it's kind of like these long stutter steps in it's just looking great, folks. He's coming out clean on the brakes. Everything's looking real great. And these stutter steps with the speed, that's really going to be able to get him open in this league. So, we think this man's going to be great for the Dolphins. Obviously, we're not knocking what Brian Flores did. We're going to trust him. And if he says Jalen Waddle is better than Devontae Smith, we're going to go with that as well. So, we'll see what Jalen Waddle can do here. We need him to step up immediately. We need some receiving threats for this Dolphin core. We believe in Tua. He just needs weapons. I mean, every quarterback needs weapons. Unless you're Tom Brady. Then you can still win without the weapons. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, begging for weapons. Still can't get it done, even with the weapons that he does have. Womp, womp. But, um, yeah, Jalen Waddle's looking real great out here, and we'll see how his speed translates, how his kind of, you know, moves, burn corners, or our corners already expecting this, and they're like, uh, what is this? What is this kid doing? Rookie, right? Am I right, rookie over here? You, you thought that long stutter step was going to fool me? <laughs> no? No, so we'll see how he's looking out in the field in real motion, full speed, but I'm loving what I'm seeing so far, so we'll see what he can do. All right, moving on, and this time we're talking about A.J. Green. Kyler Murray expects big year from A.J. Green. Quote, I know a lot of people are sleeping on him, and, you know, that is true, folks. I mean, obviously he's not this kind of, you know, he's kind of an old age, an older age wide receiver. I have his stats up. When did he start in this league? I want to say, like, 2007. What do we got? 2011. Oh, even, like, all right. So, this kind of last decade, um, how old is he? We're looking at uh, 32, so once again, kind of at this age that we've been tracking um, in this offseason since we've been talking about, like, Julio Jones and is he going to be like, at his peak form with the Titans. So we've been kind of really tracking the age of these wide receivers throughout this offseason. So A.J. Green, 32, but um, only uh, 
500 yards receiving last year. Obviously, they were kind of phasing him out of the offense. He was a Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengal his entire career, and they were kind of, you know, moving in a new direction. They were kind of cleaning house. They got rid of Andy Dalton. They brought in the new guy, head coach-wise. They bring in Joe Burrow. It's just kind of the changing of the guard. If They could have probably kept A.J. Green and used him as their kind of A1 tier run, but like we said, he's kind of 32, aging out of this league a little bit, and they're just moving in a new direction. So they weren't using him in the offense that much. But I do kind of want to break down. We do have um, a highlight clip, two minutes, of what he did this season because if my memory serves me well, this man was still getting it done on the field um, just kind of eyes-wise. Obviously, not in the stats. We said, I mean, 500 yards is really nothing in this league, folks, um, for like an A1 tier one wide receiver in AJ, Ground, AJ Green in his prime. So let's watch this clip here, and let's see if they are sleeping, and then we'll go back to the article here. Because I want to see some great plays. Does this man still have it? So let's decide right here. Two-minute highlight clip. First play up. Joe Burrow. Just a nice slant. And he's able to kind of, you know, get that separation over uh, Darius Slay. So once again, a decent cornerback there and a nice, slant, uh, a nice slant. And he's able to get to 10 yards. All right, here we go. This time on a nice out route. Once again, able to kind of get that positioning in front of the corner and make that catch on the sideline. Fantastic. Here we go, play number three, a nice comeback route. Once again, kind of getting challenged for the ball. These kind of uh, corners are right on him, and he's still able to go and secure that ball, so that's great. Here we go, one-on-one, -on -one, coming back for the ball here against the Browns. Fantastic catch for about 10 yards. Free here, uh, free play here by Joe Burrow, and there's kind of A.J. Green on the sideline, a nice comeback route, perfect. All right, another comeback route, about five yards, and then he stays on his feet and goes more, but they cut off the clip, unfortunate. All right, here we go. Joe Burrow, next play up, about 15 yards deep, toe tapping on the sideline, fantastic. Here we go in the red zone, five yards out from the end zone. Here we go, play action pass, A.J. Green, one-on-one -on -one matchup, and he's able to take on that defender of uh, that corner of the Washington football team. Here we go, just over the middle there, goes up and gets it, about 15 yards deep and kind of double coverage. None of these plays are wow factors just quite yet. I, I do believe he has one big wow play. Here we go, just kind of going over the middle of the field. Knows he's going to take a big hit. Able to secure the ball. Perfect. Back in the red zone here against the Cowboys. Down 17-0. And there he is. Just kind of, uh, he's able to kind of position his body to get in front of all these receivers, or all these defenders, corners-wise. And he's able to kind of have the strength and the size to kind of body them off as the ball is kind of coming right in his chest um, over the kind of the middle of the field and all that. So that's still great that he still has kind of the size and ability to fend off these defenders. Here we go back on the sideline, just kind of a post route on the uh, sideline there. Couple more plays left this time against the Steelers. Here we go. Getting open way down the sideline for about 20 yards. Double coverage is coming out, but he he's able to get those that great space on the sideline for 20-yard pickup. Here we go. Able to outrun the entire defense right there. And if this ball was thrown a little bit more, I don't know if that's Joe Burrow back there, but if this ball was thrown a little bit more out in front of this man, he just beat that corner right off the rip, folks. So the speed is still there. The catchability is still there. And that's what we're looking for. I think this is going to be the last play here. Let's see what we get. Just kind of a challenge with the ball. A nice comeback route here. The, uh, the defender's all over him, and he goes up and gets the ball. Make sure he gets the ball. He's able to kind of get in front of the defenders and body them off. So 
Hopefully he can still do that here. Um, full kind of uh, offseason with this Cardinals team. He's now the tier two wide receiver on this team because obviously DeAndre Hopkins is number one. Maybe even number two, maybe even number three if you want to put Christian Kirk above AJ Green. I'll leave that up to y'all, but not a number one wide receiver, and he's gonna kind of still be playing as a decent number one out here. So let's buy into this Cardinals team a little bit. But let's go back to this article and see what uh, Kyler Murray is saying. Here we go. Um, after injuries hampered his 2018 season and kept him out of all of 2019, Green was ineffective returning to Cincinnati in 2020. Now, like many Midwestern transplants to the desert, the Cardinals expect a rejuvenated veteran in Arizona. Quote, I expect AJ to have a big year, Kyler Murray says. I know a lot of people are sleeping on him. I know a lot of things have been said about him maybe not being able to do it anymore. I'm glad he's on our team. And from what we saw, folks, that's a solid number two receiver of all the things that he just did. So, you know, that's all we need him to be here on this Cardinals team. Be a nice veteran leader for Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins a little bit. And then just go out there and be the number two. And then you still got Larry Fitzgerald. That could be like a number five, a number fifth option out there. So they truly just have weapons all over the place. Previous A1 tier one receivers, now A1 tier one wide receivers, and they've got everything going. So that's all we've got from Kyler Murray saying there. Um, you know, I expect him to have a big year, and I'm glad he's on my team. But um, I thought there was a better play there. Unfortunate. Maybe it's just not out in that highlight package. And if it's just if it just wasn't in that highlight package, shame on Cincinnati's Bengals um, YouTube page for not putting that in his highlights for the 2020 season. Um, maybe I'll try to find the play, but uh, maybe it doesn't exist. All right, let's keep moving on here. Here we go. Washington, talking about the quarterbacks, and uh, we'll see if Ryan Fitzpatrick can get the job, but it kind of seems like he's going to get the job. Here we go. Washington linebacker John Bostic on offense under quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. Quote, you can see just how much of a step that offense has taken already. So... If he's already coming in during these kind of, they're not even at training camp yet, the OTAs, the mandatory minicamps, and the offense is already looking way better than it was last year, a step that offense has taken already, quote, I mean, that's not looking that great for um, um, Taylor Heineke, folks. And, you know, we we know he only played one year, one game last season, so... And it wasn't the offense was looking all right. Obviously, cared by the defense a lot. But let's see what they're saying about Ryan Fitzpatrick and can he go out go out and win the starting job? The only reservations I have on Ryan Fitzpatrick is that he's a gunslinger and it doesn't result into wins. That is it. High turnovers, yes. High big playability because if you're just slinging the ball around, there's obviously going to be good and bad. So that's where the high explosive play comes from, where everybody says he should be a starting quarterback. But then we also have those bad interceptions and those bad plays and crunch time situations because you're just slinging the ball around folks so that's why I have a little reservations on Ryan Fitzpatrick he kind of got us out to a slow start when he was with the Dolphins last season then he came in was the savior and then everyone was saying Ryan Fitzpatrick was better than Tua and that's how kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick operates folks he has that big play he has the Ryan Fitz magic games that gets everybody hyped and then everybody just dismisses the bad plays, the turnovers, folks. So that's why we we aren't 100% sold on Ryan Fitzpatrick for this Washington team. But let's go into this article and see what they're saying. 
So, as we head toward training camp, the biggest question is whether Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a difference maker that puts Washington over the top or if he'll crash and burn on one of the downslopes of his career cycle. Exactly what we're seeing. Very high and low. That's why he's a backup, because you can't really rely on him for an entire year. One or two games in the middle of the season when your quarterback goes down, yes, I can rely on him 100%. I would bet on him, those games, all of that. But through the course of a year... It's it's eight and eight at best, folks. At best, I'm talking best, folks. Uh, through the offseason program, Fitzpatrick has already made a difference, according to linebacker John Bostic. Quote, you can see just how much of a step that offense has already taken. I think he's really, really going to help those guys out. I can start to see how he's improved, how they're running certain routes. And he's like, I'm going to I'm going to throw you open here. And once again, I'm going to throw you open. Uh, you're not open, but I'm going to still sling this ball. And if you're uh, you should be open if the cornerback. Oh, the cornerback was actually playing my pass that's where the that's where the turnovers come folks but back to the quote I'm gonna throw you open here some of these seven routes instead of running them maybe like a clear-cut seven route maybe bend it a little more it's gonna make it harder for the linebacker to try and get under the route I'm very pleased with where we are on the offensive side of the ball and happy as we're growing as a football team. And that was kind of the lackluster thing about the um, the Washington football team last year. That defense was real solid, really kind of the main reason why they won the division and won seven of those games. We saw Alex Smith come in. He was 5-1 and one over his six starts, but he had six touchdowns, eight interceptions. I mean, that's not a winning stat line for 5-1, and one, folks. No way. So it was truly the defense, and then they had Dwayne Haskins for the start, and we all know that's nothing great passing the ball either. So it was really the defense that really took charge and made them eligible to win most of their games that they did last season. So we'll see if Ryan Fitzpatrick opens them up, and just kind of once again in this kind of article right here, this quote, this is why Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe doesn't have the most success. I'm going to throw you open. Hey, run the route like this instead of this, but once they kind of get into game scenarios, Ryan Fitzpatrick is thinking to himself, Hey, the cor- the wide receiver should run the route like this instead of that. But the wide receiver is like, oh, this is what the play is. So this is what the quarterback is thinking. So I'm going to run the route like it's supposed to be called. But Ryan Fitzpatrick can see the entire field. And it's like, oh, well, I have to hit him here because this is covered. And I know this is the route, but I'm going to try and throw it a little bit more outside. Than, it, than the actual route intends to be ran just so I can throw him open. And that's where maybe a little miscommunication comes from and not really on anybody's fault. It's not a Ryan Fitzpatrick's fault because you're going to throw the ball where you need to throw the ball to get a caught. And it's not on the wide receiver's fault because you're going to run the route how you think the route is supposed to be ran. And yeah, you know, maybe you can also see what Ryan Fitzpatrick is seeing while you're running the route, but that's where kind of miscommunication comes from. And that's where we have incomplete passes, hard to catch balls, balls tipped up in the air, easy for the, the defenders to kind of pick off off the tip and just kind of free... Oh, corner, you know, corner was reading Ryan Fitzpatrick's eyes and his kind of um, thought process on the route and goes and picks it off anyway. So that's, you know, we're still seeing that right here. He kind of points it out. Unfortunate. Um, So we'll see come training camp. Obviously, this is going to be an open quarterback competition. Does seem like Ryan Fitzpatrick already does have the bar up a little bit. Now, can we bet on Washington's quarterback? 
for the starting quarterback of week one, and we can't. We can still only do the Bears, the Saints, the Patriots, and the 49ers. So that'll be a little interesting to see if that kind of, uh, those odds get released. Um, and I think we may kind of put a little bit, a little money on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just that veteran presence alone, I really think is going to push them over the top. Ron Rivera wants, I mean, this offense isn't anything like uh, special or, I mean, this is like a tier three offense, folks, just overall in every one of their pieces. So Ron Rivera isn't going to put like this kind of new addition quarterback in uh, Taylor Heineke out there because it's tier three. I mean, you need you need a veteran presence out there to try to make it make it achieve more than it should be achieving. So um, that's why I really do think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to win the starting job. He already has his support of the defense. So we'll see if he can go out and win the support of the rest of the offense. But we've already been here, and I think we heard of Terry McLaurin earlier this um, earlier this offseason of like, yeah, during those OTAs, he's like, yes, I'm getting the ball where I want, and it's looking good, and it's accurate and everything. So I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter. Obviously, we'll know more in July. Alrighty, those are all these football stories we need to go over. So let's head over to some NBA and see what's happening over there. So the first one up, um, Sixers All-Star Ben Simmons won't participate in the Olympics with the Australian team. All righty, you know what else he's going to do? He's going to concentrate his summer on individual development. Good. Get a jump shot. Get another move. Get something good. You cannot be out there not scoring the ball. Yes, he's a good defender. Yes, he's a good passer. That doesn't win. We just saw it. That 76ers team was the number one seed in the East, and they got beat by the Hawks. Unfortunate. Couldn't win game seven at home. Couldn't uh, couldn't develop a jump shot for one game. The biggest game. Couldn't get it done. So there's no reason to go to the Olympics for this man and lose because we all know Team USA should win. Theoretically, we have the best talent overall. Um, so no reason to kind of play for Australia and lose and then not work on your own game. So, But what the truly comical uh, part here is from Woj is so Simmons plans to concentrate his summer on individual development and Team Australia is understanding of his decision. A team Australia is like, oh, yeah, we, we really didn't even want him to play for us anyway. He was just our biggest name. So, of course, we're going to have him out there. But, yeah, we know the man can't shoot. We don't want that on our team. I know we're Australia basketball, but we still want shooters on our team, please. I mean, we're bad, but we're not supposed to. We're, we don't want to just come off the rip right bad. We're trying to be good. So, Team Australia is understanding of Ben Simmons' decision. And we'll see if he actually does work on his game here during the summer because he just needs to develop that jump shot, man. If he develops a jump shot, we're talking about an A1 Tier 1 superstar all-star player on this freaking in this league, folks. Uh, but if you don't have the jumper, if you can't score points, you're not winning games. That's all. It, it, it's a make or miss league, folks. And he misses because he doesn't have a jumper. So that's what Ben Simmons is going to be up to. Do not expect to see him for Team Australia in the Olympics. All righty. Next story up is uh, Trey Young. Uh, he went through shoot around today. So a little kind of glimmer of hope, a silver lining. This is a must-win game for this Hawks team. They cannot get down 3-1 against this Bucks team heading back to Milwaukee. They will wrap it up in uh, five there. 
So, Trey Young went around, shoot around today. Good sign. They need his score ability. They need his kind of floor general, his floor facilitation out there because we just saw what happened without him really kind of at 100% on the floor. Really ineffective. Nobody could score the ball, and there was just no movement of the offense. So, Trey Young participating in shoot around, a decent sign, enough for us to bet on. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to that. Alrighty, let's talk about Paul George now because, I mean, we do have to give him credit, but still at the same time, are we forgetting what he just did in Game 2? So this is like the only story that we're hearing from Paul George. Everybody needs to apologize for making fun of him. He's the real deal. He's a superstar. He gets it done. Did you not just see what he did last night in the must-win game? All this, all that. But I think we're having a little, way, way, a lot of recency bias here. So here we go. DeMarcus Cousins on Paul George Critics, quote, I don't know where this trolling bullshit is coming from. The internet controls the narrative about these players. It's becoming foolish. That's one of the most special players to ever lace his shoes up. Give this dude his flowers, man. And yes, I agree. He had an amazing, a phenomenal, finally a real great playoff performance. A truly stellar, I mean, folks, I mean, 100% greatness last night. There was no flaw in his game last night. He was absolutely on the money from start to finish. Thank goodness. But all these other games, yes, he's putting up the points, but it's always inefficient. And then we just saw what he did in game two. Clippers up one. They foul, He gets fouled. He misses both free throws. Both of them. And then the Hawks were able to have that kind of second shot attempt for DeAndre, uh, uh, for DeAndre Ayton to get the game-winning dunk. That wouldn't have been possible if Paul George made those free throws. So, you know, we do want to give him his respect. He's. Do we have this up? Is this the next story? No. Um, he does have – do I even – I think I liked it. Did I not bring it up? There's a stat. Here it is. Paul George has logged 735 minutes in the playoffs. The second highest is Devin Booker with 605 minutes. So he has 130 more minutes played in the playoffs than any other player in the in the playoffs. And that's absolutely magnificent, folks. We we talked about you know Joel fatigued, Joel Embiid over there, Embiid over there. But what Paul George is doing, I mean, he is on the floor every minute because he needs to be because no Kawhi and this man's now the superstar the only superstar that they have on the team. So we give credit to for Paul George for doing that, and there's all the, all these games are kind of only one day in between. We're not getting any double-day rest. It's real quick. There's no even kind of – it's a short turnaround between series and everything like that. So he's never had any rest. And once again, we give him the credit, but he hasn't been efficient all series. Now he finally has a great game, and everybody wants to turn around the narrative. It's like I think we're jumping the gun a little bit. They're still down three two because of him. They should have they should have been up three two if it wasn't if it was for him getting it done in the clutch. But we see this time and time again shooting like low thirty percent during this entire. Let's bring up his playoff run. Do I have to bring up his playoff run? Let's get this up. Uh, let's get this up right here. I'm just saying it's a little it's a little too early to start saying, well, you know, he doesn't deserve all the slander that we've been giving him. Mm, he, he did a little bit up until last night. But here we go. His playoff logs for this year. We're just going to focus on shooting percentage. Here we go. All right, we're just going to go from game one all the way down to game 18. 18 games here played. So we're at 44, 54, that's real solid, 61, then 37, 46, 40, 33, 23, 44, 50, 45, 54, 41, 38, 
43-34-25 just last game, 25%. And then just last night, 75%. I mean, folks, we can't, we, it was amazing last night. 41 points and 13 rebounds and 6 assists. It was absolutely amazing, folks. We're not saying it wasn't, but I think, I mean, overall, if we're taking this entire playoff run, in kind of um, in totality wise, I just think you know this one game. Yes, it was great, but we've also seen flounder games. So let's take a, a step back. Let's see what he's what he does for the rest of the series, and then once all the information is there, make up a firm, definitive evaluation on what Paul George has done this kind of um, this playoff run, but. You know, 50% shooting from the free throw line, 50% shooting. Um, he does kind of have a couple of hundred percents, but I mean, we're talking five shots, three shots, five shots. Um, he did go 10 for 10 in game seven there against the um, against the Clipper or against the Mavericks. So I will give him that one as well. But I'm, I'm saying it's really kind of hit. It's a little kind of rocky. It's a little wavy overall here. So I'm not buying in that we have to all kind of, you know, apologize to Paul George. That's what you'll all see on Twitter today. It's all, oh, he need to apologize. You need to apologize. If you ever said anything bad about this man, you need to apologize. So. I, I get where you want to go. I think it's a little premature to do that. Let's see what he does in game six, and then we'll go from there. All right, and then the last one. This is something that we definitely have to give credit to. Yes, this is if if we're get, if we're giving credit to anybody on this Clippers team, it's this man right here, Ty Lu. We give this man credit. He's a great coach. He's top five coaches, top ten coaches, however you want to phrase it. He is a top tier coach in this league, folks, and we have to start respecting it. We weren't the biggest Ty Lu fan coming into this year, but what he's done. I give the man a total credit. Winning when he needs to. Ty Lue, all time when facing elimination, 10-2. Getting it done in the clutch, do or die situations, and he goes and puts out the best lineup that will win that game, and he goes out and wins that game. So I give him so much respect of this kind of um, this Clippers playoff run this season of just trying to figure out the matchups, losing Kawhi Leonard and still kind of rearranging the lineup for wins and successful offensive spurts. And you love to see it just last night, able to kind of coach his team to a must win on the road. Loved it. Coached up Paul George into an all-star performer last night. So if we're giving anybody any credit thus far, it's Ty Lue. We'll see what Paul George does for the rest of the playoffs. But Ty Lue, baby, go get it done. And he's 10 and 2 when facing elimination games. And just overall, I mean, he's getting it done. Losing your kind of number two superstar, your number one superstar, still able to coach the heck out of it, making different lineups every single night to see what works, risking it all on what it what 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 will work tonight. And we give the man so much credit. So Ty Lu deserves more credit than Paul George. I think we should all be apologizing to Ty Lu. I'll apologize right now. Ty Lu. I am sorry for not believing in you. I am sorry. I don't think we ever clowned you, but I'm sorry for, you know, ever bashing you if we did. You don't deserve it. You're a top five coach in this league. Very well done. Very well done. We are sorry. Takes by fans. Everybody, everybody here at Takes by Fans, we apologize to Ty Lu. So that's that. Alrighty. 
those are all the stories that we needed to cover for today. So let's head over to the NBA, see what we get last night. Um, actually, yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, head over to the NBA from last night. We'll, we'll break it down, and then we'll do our moneymaker for tonight's action. So here we go. Clippers, Suns, Suns lose. Unfortunate. And ooh, the offense with Chris Paul, folks. Ooh, ooh, it's not looking the best out here. Really, it's Cameron Payne. I don't know. I don't know. So let's talk about it. Here we go. So the Clippers, a dominant win here. The Suns would try to close this game. It'd be like a 10, 12, 15-point lead for the Clippers. Suns would bring it all the way down to like 4, 3, 2, and then the Clippers would open it right back up, 10, 12, 15. Then the Suns bring it right back, 2, 1, tie game. Suns up 1, and Clippers like, no, 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 15-point lead, just like that. Folks, this was happening the entire second half of the game. So once again, credit to Paul George and credit to Ty Lue for a kind of rubber band ending this lead in, you know, oh my god, we had a 15-point lead and now it's gone. No, no, no. They, they could have got down on themselves, but they didn't. They kept going. So, great night by the Clippers last night. Let's talk about it. Here we go. Starting with the Clippers first. Rocking with um, no Zubak either. No Zubak either. Once again, Ty Lue, we're sorry forever doubting you. It was fantastic last night. Uh, this was their starting lineup. Reggie Jackson at the one, Patrick Beverly at the two, and I give him credit for going with that lineup, just the guards alone. I don't know if I would have had the balls to put both of those together, but they're making it work. Fantastic. So Reggie Jackson at the one. Patrick Beverly at the two, Paul George at the three, Marcus Morris back in the lineup at the number four, and then having Terrence Mann play the five because of no Zubak. So, Reggie Jackson, 23 points, 3 assists, 5 rebounds. He shot 4 of 7 from 3. And once again, Reggie Jackson, he deserves a ton of credit for stepping it up big time. No Kawhi Leonard, and this man has truly made himself the number one, or the number two superstar. Paul George goes over to the number one because he was the number two, and then Reggie Jackson goes to the number two because you need to fill in for Paul George, who filled in for Kawhi Leonard. So, Reggie Jackson, a plus 21 on the floor, the high of the team in a how many point uh, 14 point win so that's real great out there by Reggie Jackson love it Patrick Beverly seven points on six shots he's just kind of the defender out there get inside your head clamp it up and that's what he does and he's still doing that out there that's why we didn't really like him in the starting lineup but once again shout out to Ty Lue for making that decision uh, Terrence Mann, not the best game by him last night four points on eight shots he shot really poor uh 25% and he was a minus six on the floor, but he only played 26 minutes, and we just needed a body out there. All right, and then we get Marcus Morris. 20. I mean, this man was on fire all night last night. Uh, once again, I mean, yeah, Paul George deserves a lot of credit, but so does Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson's been consistent as all heck during the Sun Series, and then Marcus Morris has just been stepping it up when he, when he truly, back against the wall, needs to get it done, and he's been coming up uh, big time here. So Marcus Morris, 22 points, 3 rebounds. He shot 2 of 5 from the 3 and 56% on 16 shots. Really, really solid game. Hitting big shots. They were able to kind of build onto their lead because of this man time and time again. So once again, a plus 20 on the floor in a 16-point win, 14-point win. It's great. And then Paul Mother Loving George, folks. 41 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. He shot 3 of 6 from 3, fantastic, made all of his free throws, 8 of 8, and then went 75% on 20 shots. I mean, folks, it, it was a spectacular performance. This was an all-time great performance by Paul George, and we'll see if he can keep it up for the next two games because he has to. You're down 3-2. There's no more floundering. 
put up or shut up. You dis- you want the respect? You want the apologies? I'll apologize to Paul George. Absolutely. I've been calling up playoff P. I even called him play uh, Paul Snorge because it was kind of fatiguing at the end of game two, missing those free throws. I called him Paul Snorge. I will apologize for that. But get to the finals, and then I'll apologize. Come back down 3-2. Come back from the mess that you kind of put yourself in a little bit. And then I'll apologize. But overall, a great performance by Paul George last night. And then off the bench, DeMarcus Cousins, baby, getting it done. He was the only person reliable off the bench. Nicholas Batum put up two points on two shots. He did have eight rebounds. I will give him that. But then Luke Kennard, zero points on three shots. Come on. Got to be a little bit better. But then we get DeMarcus Cousins only playing 11 minutes. 15 points, 7 of 12 from the field. And three assists and uh, two rebounds go along with that. So... They got that extra oomph off the bench, and Paul George, Marcus Morris, and Reggie Jackson all took over for the scoring. So, great night by the Clippers, but we need two more. Can they do two more? We'll see. All right, now the Suns now. I mean, what is going on? It's like their offense is looking a little stagnant throughout the entire game. Is that Chris Paul back, slowing down the offense a little bit? It's never looked really up-tempo ever since Chris Paul's come back. What's up with that? But uh, Chris Paul, 22 points, 8 assists. He shot 0 of 6 from the 3, not the greatest. 42% on 19 shots. Once again, not the greatest out there. And he was a minus 15 on the floor. I don't know what to make of that, folks. Minus 15, not the greatest. Devin Booker, 31 points, 4 of 6 from the 3, 40% on 22 shots. He was a minus 10 on the floor. Unfortunate. DeAndre Ayton, once again, 10 points, 11 rebounds. You know, not his best game. We've been seeing him have way better performances in this Clippers series. So he kind of got shut down last night, and he was a minus 22 on the floor. Way uh, worse by far there um, by the team. Jay Crowder, 4 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. We need him to get it done when he's not shooting from 3, folks. When he's not hitting from 3, we need need that. We need that Deep, we need that kind of depth of scoring ability. And he shot 0 of 4 from the 3, 2 of 6 from the field. That's where, you know, he missed all the 3s. That's where his kind of, uh, his misses come from. And then Milo Bridges, 5 points, 3 rebounds, only took 5 shots. Not the greatest. But we need scoring to come from players here. And when Chris Paul is on the floor, it's really not coming from everybody. It's just coming from Devin Booker. It's unfortunate. So Cameron Payne, five points off the bench. He played 13 minutes, uh, five points, three rebounds, two assists. He was a plus four on the floor while shooting 33%. That's pretty solid. We want to see Cameron Payne get a little bit more minutes. I would honestly split it with Chris Paul, honestly. Maybe 25 minutes for Chris Paul, 20 minutes for Cameron Payne. That's kind of how I would see it. But, uh, you know, they're kind of going with Chris Paul heavy, and I get it. He's a superstar. You can't really disrespect him by not playing him. But I truly think they're kind of hurting hurting the team overall by leaving Chris Paul out there for the majority of the game. So Cameron Payne only playing 13 minutes. I would like to try to see that improve a little bit more. And then we get Cameron Johnson off the bench. Real great night. 14 points, 4 rebounds. He shot 83%, only missed one shot, and he shot 3 of 3 from the 3. So, fantastic night, but we need the scoring. We need the scoring, and Cameron Payne can do that. And the flow of the offense with Cameron Payne in the starting lineup was just a little bit better. It was getting McCall Bridges involved. It was getting Jay Crowder involved down low. It was getting DeAndre Ayton involved way down low. I mean, he was having like 20 points a night when Cameron Payne was running the floor. Now, Chris Paul's there, and DeAndre Ayton's back to 10 points a game. So... We'll see what they do, man. Uh, Chris Paul's not going to exit the floor willingly. He wants to be the reason why they win. He wants the credit. So what do you do? It's tough. 
So we'll see what the uh, what the Suns can do for game number six, but they're going back on the road, and we'll see what Chris Paul can do on the road there. But uh, great night by Paul George once again. Great night by Patrick Beverly. Uh, great night by Reggie Jackson. Great night by Marcus Morris, and an even a, a more exceptional night by Ty Lue. Your your starting five, your number five can't go kind of right before the game. You have to make an adjustment. You do, and you win the game on the road. Do or die. Fantastic. All righty, let's go to the NBA tonight, folks. We got a game on tonight. Let's see if we can hit a money maker. So here we go. We got Bucks Hawks game four in Atlanta. Atlanta down two one. Must win game, folks. This Hawks team cannot go down. Go come back down three one. It's just not going to happen. Um, that's just too much momentum for the Bucs. I mean, the Bucs overcame the Nets. I mean, they are ready to rock and ready to just get to the finals and see what they can do. But here we go. Bucks, Hawks, Bucks minus seven, Hawks plus seven. Ugh, this spread, this spread. Uh, killing me. I want to buy into this Hawks team, folks. I truly do. I truly do. After game one, we said Hawks in four. Ever since then, they've lost every game. Not the greatest. So... Giannis is a game time decision. He's going to play, folks, for the Bucs and then for the Hawks. Bogdan Bogdanovich, a game time decision. And Trey Young, a game time decision. Now, let's talk about Bogdan Bogdanovich first. He's going to play, but that knee injury is killing him, folks. He is not. He has not been doing good ever since that knee injury, shooting very poorly. We can't even rely on him to put up any points. And he's kind of their number two option scoring the ball-wise. Unfortunate. And let's talk about Trey Young now. We said he, he did attend the shoot-around, so he's most likely going to play tonight, but I can't rely on it. There is nobody to run the floor, to facilitate the floor if Trey Young is not there, folks. There's nobody to do it. Ty, um, um, Lou Williams cannot do it, and nobody else can do it. You can't even rely on Bogdan Bogdanovich, kind of switch him from the one to the two, or from the two to the one because of that knee injury. He's not reliable himself, so I'm going to have to take the Hawks minus seven here, folks. This Hawks Offense was so lackluster when Trey Young got injured, that ankle injury off the ref. How unfortunate. And I don't think he's going to be 100%. He's going to be a little banged up. He's not going to be his full self, and that's what we saw in game number three. When he's not his full self, they were absolutely abysmal in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, the Bucks are just kind of, you know, going down low. Giannis is always getting his. There's no stopping it. And the big thing that helped the Hawks in game number three was Chris Middleton. Did he finally find his groove? I'm not totally buying in it, um, buying into it. I still don't think he's that great. Once again, a little overreaction. We've been overreacting here in the media, folks. Paul George from last night, everybody wants to kind of, you know, say you're sorry and you better apologize. And if you ever said anything bad about him, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's a little bit of an overreaction from what he just did from, from one game. It was fantastic, like we said, a little overreaction. And the same thing with uh, this Bucks team. Everyone's calling, you know, uh, Kendrick Perkins, I still can't believe he said it, but he, he called Chris Middleton the Batman what what Giannis is the most consistent player on this team doesn't matter who he's going against he's gonna get 30 plus Chris Middleton is floundering on the road folks he just finally had a good game game three so a lot of overreaction happening on one game I'm not buying into it just quite yet but I'm going to take the Bucks minus seven. There's just something they've caught fire here they've caught momentum they won on the road which was absolutely needed by this team since they they only won game seven on the road against that Brooklyn team that was their only road win in that series uh, they did beat the heat twice in the on the road they swept them in four fantastic 
But I'm going to go with the Bucks minus seven tonight, folks. I can't rely on Trey Young to be there, to be there 100%. And because of that, we're not going to get his great offense ability of kind of 30-plus points, and then we're not going to get the floor facilitation that he has because nobody else can run the floor like he can. And so what are we going to do? Everyone's just going to kind of play one-on-one one -on -one the entire game. Everyone's just going to be like, all right, it's my turn to get the ball. I'll drive. I'll, I'll get stuffed because they're going to double-team down low as I'm driving, and that's it. I can't kick out because I can't facilitate the floor, and that's it. So I'm going to give it to the Bucks minus 7 tonight. Can't trust the Hawks. Can't trust the Hawks. I've never said that this year. I can't trust the Hawks. It's killing me to say that. I can't trust the Hawks. Bucks minus 7. Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today. We're not going to be able to get to uh, the NFC Championship game for the Packers, Seahawks. I mean, we did an hour and 30 already. We don't like to do uh, more than an hour and 40, and we're not going to be able to fit that into six minutes, unfortunately. So let's see if anything is breaking as we are live, as we were live today. What is going on? Anything good going on in the sports world? Does not seem like anything has been breaking. Um, if you watched the show yesterday, we pulled um, a Lamello card on uh, our NFT blockchain. We can kind of check. Uh, we just put that up for auction today. It was kind of going for about 200 bucks yesterday. Um, so really good. Let's see. We'll update this. It's not on the screen. I have it on a different tab. Uh, but um, anybody bidding? No bids yet. We started it at 100 bucks. No bid yet. Uh, but we just put that up uh, kind of right before the show. We still got 21, uh, 21 hours left on it. So we'll see if it hits. Um, like I said, it was kind of going for the first day it was on there. It was going for about 200 bucks. So pretty solid there for one card. We bought 10 packs. 10 bucks a pack. We spent 100 bucks last night uh, to get those, to acquire those. And if we can hit 100 right off the rip, 200 right off the rip, I mean, folks, folks, that's called profit, No. Uh, so we'll see. We'll update you on that. The auction should end by the show tomorrow, so we'll have an update on that. Um, but it doesn't seem like anything is breaking. Oh, oh my God. Kyle Pitts signed a $32 million rookie contract. Oof. That's more than those quarterbacks we're getting, folks. Oh, my gosh. Woof. I'm going to do some uh, research on what these other rookies were getting paid, but I think that's the highest, folks. Gosh, damn. I'm telling y'all. Was I not telling y'all? Because I told you. Didn't I tell you? Because I did told you. No, right there. Respect the tight ends. Pay them, man. Pay them. Woof. Man, that's fantastic. He's going to be great, folks. He's going to be freaking great. All right. Anything else here breaking? What do we get? $32 million fully guaranteed. Four-year, $32 million. Jeez Louise. Fully guaranteed. Go get that contract number two, young man. Go get that $100 million year two. Man. Oof. I can't believe it. I, I appreciate it. I love it. All righty. Um, that is going to do it for us today, folks. Doesn't seem like anything else is breaking. We'll break down that contract tomorrow on the show and everything else that we do here. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we will be back tomorrow live noon Eastern. Come watch at twitch.tv slash takes by fans, folks. All right. We are out of here.